You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Today, we've got Kevin Morasco, who is a CMO of Zenefits, which brings everything HR into one radically simple single app platform is designed to be comprehensive without being overly complex. We used to be past customers of Zenefits, by the way. Loved it while we used it. And Zenefits been through a lot. So I'm keen to have this conversation with Kevin. Over 583 million bucks raised. And Kevin, first and foremost, welcome to the show. How's it going? Going good, Eric. I appreciate you having me on. Can't quarantine the hustle. Dig your pod and all you do to help fellow entrepreneurs, marketers, and fellow learners like myself. So it's inspirational. I appreciate it. Yeah, love it, man. So when did you join Zenefits? So I joined about three years ago, which was right at the beginning of a pivot that we made. Cool. Yeah, I'd love to get into that. But I think your background is interesting because you're doing a lot of different things, talking about startup investor, advisor, been with some other companies. Higher View, we've actually had on the show, the original founder, Mark Newman. I think we've had some of these other big companies as well. And I do want to talk about the fact that you do ultra marathons, which is really crazy in itself. So yeah, a little background on you. That'd be great. And then talk about how it led up to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So I would probably self-classify as an accidental marketer. Spent the past two decades in high-growth SaaS, marketing and sales, helping scale companies from really early garage stage, like when I started with Mark at HireVue, he literally started the company in his parents' garage, up to hundreds and low thousands of employees, been fortunate to be part of a few exits, ranging from low $100 million to $1.9 billion. But for what it's worth, and one of the reasons I really love your podcast is that you know, I'm really like this accidental marketer. So I was in college, my mom's a math teacher, so... I selected electrical engineering, had a full scholarship, really had no idea what the hell I wanted to do. I just like building and creating things. And so I'm playing in bands and my parents thought that that was my side hustle, that I was really in school. But the reality was I was probably more into bands and doing school as a side hustle, just craving for tests at night. And all of a sudden we get this record deal and our manager is like, hey, this whole school thing, you got to get out of it because you're about to go on tour into pre-production. And I'm like, oh shoot, what am I going to do? My parents are going to kill me. So I talked to the school and find out one of the quickest ways to get out is to get a marketing degree. And I wasn't really digging this whole electrical engineering thing. To me, that smelled more like a big company. I was more entrepreneurial. So what the heck? I switched. And I'm like, hey, I kind of do the marketing for the band anyways. HTML had just come out. So I'm like, I was managing the website, doing the promotions and everything. So I switched to a marketing degree. It's quick. It's easy. Anyone can do it, right? That was kind of my formal introduction to marketing all by accident. And the band ultimately ended up blowing up. Not in like a YouTube Drake or Metallica way, but like literally blew up. <laughs> and, in a um, negative way? <laughs> yeah, in a negative way. Yeah. We infused. <laughs> Tried to go too many different directions. So yeah, and then back to school finished. And then I just kind of got real fortunate. A uh, buddy of mine, he started a tech company. I had taught myself how to code and did a few startups, e-com, stuff like that. And was kind of like a full stack developer many, many years ago and joined my buddy's company who then actually blew up in a good way. And I started as a developer and as the company went from 10 to 20 to 50 to 100 employees, they're like, Kevin, you got this kind of marketing thing. You have a good eye for design. You can do the front end dev. And that was kind of 
the start to my marketing career. So fake it to make it. And it was pretty cool because I just learned technically I did get a degree, but right. The stuff that you've learned in school, I can learn way more listening to your podcast than what I learned in school. And so it's just all about learning on the job at the time as before pods and everything. So I was having to just literally read all the books and then power network as much as I can. So anyways, that was kind of my start. Here we are 20 years later, but I think it's one of the coolest things about modern marketing is you can learn so much and it's important you do because it's just changing and evolving so fast. But that was kind of my start. I just want to share that because I think there's inspiration everywhere and we can all kind of learn and it's important to elevate our game. I mean, you're one of those rare marketers that can actually code. A lot of marketers, <laughs> that's a true full stack marketer right there. You can kind of implement and execute on the stuff you're coming up with. Well, I used to be able to. It's the funny thing. Like I used to be able to stand up a database. I mean, everything. But now like all the tools and everything's just evolved so much in a, in a really good way with all the microservices. And it's amazing now. So I'd be dust. My code would be quickly rejected. Uh, well, yeah, like you said, times change. So I'm curious. I mean, higher view, when we had Mark on the pod, this is a long time ago. The headline was basically how he almost went bankrupt 10 times and emerged as a $30 million plus company. Now it's way more than that, right? They've grown quite a bit. They got a new CEO in place as well. So I guess really good companies before, I'm not saying Zenefits is a bad company. I'm just saying Zenefits has been through a lot. So I guess you knew you were coming into something tumultuous. What was your mindset behind that? And then kind of what has happened since? Yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of people, I had read some of the headlines, followed from afar. And it was really interesting because I've spent 15, almost 20 years in not just SaaS, but a lot of SaaS related to people, recruiting, talent, HR tech, and people operations. And I thought it was really interesting because the company was founded with this really clever and disruptive business model, right? It gave software away for free in exchange for being the broker of record for insurance and thereby making money from the insurance commission and giving someone software for free. And I thought that was really clever, really interesting. But of course, that also comes with some challenges. It's a ton of regulatory overhead. Uh, of course, I wasn't here uh, close at the time, but it also comes with some challenges from a unit economics with a freemium model, higher churn, lower gross margins than some of the other SaaS companies. And then like a number of companies, especially in Silicon Valley, I'd say, you know, this kind of growth at all costs mantra has its issues and challenges in terms of trying to help scale the rest of the business to keep up with, with sales and doing everything the right way. And so when I came in, the concept was to make this pivot to an actual SaaS company and not just services and an online insurance broker, but actually focusing on what the company was really good at and built something quite incredible, which was the product and focusing on that, building that out and going from a freemium model to a paid model. And that to me was exciting. I had done a lot of the S-curve, tiny stage to bigger stage and haven't done anything like a big pivot or turnaround. I thought this would be an amazing learning opportunity. That's fascinating because everyone today, well, not everyone, but a lot of people, it's like product-led growth. You lead with freemium and then you grow that, you know, HubSpot. After we did that inflection point, boom, we just shot off. And then for you guys, you started with freemium and then you moved over to pure place. Well, you guys have services too, right? So it's not pure place SaaS. We used to have a lot of services on the online brokerage side, but now it's very little services at all. It's just quick. In fact, that's one of our differentiators, right? Like legacy especially most people software like the Workdays and Oracles and SAPs of the world. It's like complicated, costly, takes you know, forever to get up and running. We have customers up and running instantly on the down inside to days or a couple of weeks. So I guess I can speak to my past experience with Zenefits and you can tell me what changed so people can kind of visualize this a little more. So I would log in at free tool. I would be able to manage documentation, HR issues. And then I think there is like 
onboarding people too. And then I think you could do payroll as well. There's just a lot of stuff being added, right? And then for the vast majority, I think we were just kind of paying per use or something like that. But how does it work now? What are the primary things you offer and how do you generally charge? We started as this online insurance broker, but in order to do that, we had to build a system where you can onboard and manage your employees. And that was kind of the genesis of it. And then we plug into other payroll providers. We since built out and brought in the platform. So now instead of it's automates your people operations, all of your people operations for small and mid-sized businesses. So it makes all the back office stuff that you have to do easy. So no more time or headaches wasted for managing things like benefits, payroll, HR, time and attendance, all the compliance. That gets super complex just over the past two months. With COVID, there's been several new regulations passed. So for just one simple example, employees now are eligible to take three types of time off for COVID. One's if they have an issue themselves, two, if a family member does, or three, if they have children that they have to take care of because they don't have daycare or school. Well, they actually get a wage. And so as an employer, you have to pay them a certain amount and there's variables determine how much, but then there's also tax deductions and credits that you're eligible for. So we track all of those things and there's hundreds of regulations, right? And one of the things that makes is that if it's different, we've now scaled up the platform. So as companies grow and go from 10 to 20 to 50 to 100 to 500 to 1,000 employees, there's additional capabilities you need. Things like tracking goals, performance management, compensation. So if I'm hiring someone, I can see, am I overpaying this person based on my market? Am I underpaying them to the degree where they might not take the offer? And we've also put a lot of focus on areas like employee well-being that helps companies help their employees manage anxiety, stress levels, which are interesting right now and then self-help tools for them. So the fundamental difference is, you know, this was built for people, not a process. A lot of the legacy incumbents that were built decades or in cases 50 years ago were built for paper and processing and big HR teams. Yep. But we displace those systems and allow people to kind of manage it on their own. I mean, it makes sense. I'm looking at your pricing page right now. It's $8, $14 per employee, $21 per employee. And it is the full suite. I see compensation management, performance management, and well-being, I guess, is the, the top one. So that's cool. It, it's transparent. So you read these headlines before you joined. I want to go back to that for a second. How close to the truth was it? Because you read all this crazy stuff. People are like, oh my God, things are crazy. And then sometimes you'll find out. You go into a company and it's actually not what the newspaper say. It's not what the media says. So how is that experience for you? I mean, first of all, I think the media loves a good story, right? That's part of their job is to tell a good story. That gets challenging too, though, because, right, like just in past lives before Zinefits, there's just situations where a piece is being done and then not only the author of the article, and this is like a top 10 publication I'm referring to in this specific example, but it goes to a whole nother department to write the headline and they're optimizing, it's like SEO optimization for clickbait, right? And things quickly can spiral out of context. And there was certainly some of that. But at the same time, there were some reality in some of the cases. But a ton of learnings. I think one of the big learnings, one of the first things we did was try to separate what's reality, right? And one of the best ways to do that is to go to data, like anything in marketing. We have to pull out the real data. And so we talked to over 6,000 folks to get like a real data point. And what we learned is there's this echo chamber effect. Certainly like in Silicon Valley, because we're all reading the same headlines from whatever, from TechCrunch and whatever publications. And this could be true, not just in Silicon Valley, but any trade or anything like that. But as we looked at actual data, we realized, hey, the perception of these things are blown out of proportion. And we found that there is a very strong brand perception and a ton of brand strength, so much so. So just to put numbers behind it, less than 10% 
of people when we got outside of these bubble geos had a negative perception. It was actually quite not only neutral, but very positive and strong, stronger than most of the other companies I've worked at that were just kind of air quote normal companies. And so that was really fascinating to learn that there was a lot of strength and equity in the brand. That's helpful. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it. Those that are curious that want to learn about it, I mean, you can just search Zenefits and then you'll find it. I usually just Google Zenefits scandal. But honestly, I think it was blown out of proportion. I think David Sachs said as well, and kind of what Kevin's saying as well. The media will be the media. That's marketing as well. What kind of numbers are you able to share around the business? The growth rates, revenues, whatever you're open to sharing? Yeah, so... We pivoted insurance business, so we actually got out of being a licensed insurance broker. We sold that to a partner, and now this has been interesting. So instead of competing with insurance brokers, we actually partner with them and enable them with our technology, which is a huge win for them. It gives them a competitive advantage, reduces their time to value and operating costs, and provides a much better client and employee experience. So we've literally pivoted from that to SaaS, and so now we're growing a really healthy SaaS recurring revenue business is growing at over 70% annually and focused on net retention and triple digits over 100% net retention, about 10,000 customers. And we launched our own payroll solution. So some customers still use other payroll solutions. That's totally fine. But we also launched our own about three years ago. We'll process about $20 billion through that this year, which is one of the metrics we, we focus on. So seeing pretty good adoption of that. And yeah, just continue to focus on trying to run a, and build a clean, healthy, scaling business. Love it. Great to hear, man. And what do you think? I mean, you're the CMO. So what's working really well for you in terms of growth today? Maybe just one thing that might be a little unique. So one of the big things that we focused on is shift to organic. So when I came in, we were paying for about 85% of our leads in pretty single threaded. So only on a couple of paid channels. First, we optimized that. So we've actually expanded to additional paid channels, much of which were much more efficient, optimized the ones that we were doing. So we were able to pull costs down about 80%. And then the bigger thing is shifting to organic. So now this year over half of our leads will be from organic sources versus the 85% that we were paying for on a much higher base. So the lead volume now, the runway is about four times higher than it was then. And of that, most of those will be organic. So a lot of the things that you preach around content, SEO, organic, syndication, affiliates, et cetera, is a big part. And that's working really well for us. Before I work towards the wrap-up questions, I don't get many people that do ultra marathons on the podcast. So can you tell everyone, A, what an ultra marathon actually entails and why the hell would anybody want to do ultra marathons in the first place? So there's different opinions on the definition, actually, which is interesting, but most people classify it as a run of in excess of 100 miles. It's just like a marathon, but instead of 26.2 miles, it's 100 plus or plus plus. It's 4X. Um, I thought it was 3X. Yeah. Some are even longer. (laughs) I mean, the reason I got into it, I was actually a few companies ago, I was at this crazy high growth company. We were just getting ready for an S1 and we were all stressed. And the CEO at the time, he was under 40 and the doctor said, hey, Derek, you're going to have a heart attack before you hit 40. You're working so much. You're not getting any exercise. And an internal bet we started just to try to get healthy and kind of save ourselves from ourselves was to do an Ironman. About four or five of us did it somehow. And then, then we parlayed that into doing these ultra marathons. And the first one was to raise money for breast cancer. So we raised, the first one was 110 miles. So we all ran 110 miles each nonstop and raised $110,000 for breast cancer. And then that was probably about five or six years ago. And so since I've got big time into it and try to do one to two a year, 
it's kind of like my zen. That's when I listen to books and podcasts and balance out my insane life with some sanity. So I highly recommended start small. I started literally running half a mile, then went up to one incremental improvements. That's all it's about. Definitely worth it. Exploring. How long did it take you from running that half mile to getting up to ultra marathon? How many months was that? I got into the triathlons, Ironman thing first. I spent about a year, and it was a slow buildup there. And then about a year later was the ultra. So it took probably like a couple of years to get there. I'm curious too, what kind of mindset, because at this point to me, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, I think most of it is mindset. So what would be your tip for people, the one key thing that got you over the hump, I think, because I just think there's a lot of mental blocks there. Yeah, well, it's 90% mental and the rest, Eric's all in your head. It's just focus one step at a time, right? And I think that's the key is you don't focus on that you're running 100 miles. It's just literally like, let's get to that next mile. In fact, really the next step. And if you Google the law of incremental improvements, there's a lot of really cool stuff on that. And it's just if you get 1% better at something, it could be running, it could be marketing every day, just like one little thing, right? 1%, it's exponential at the end of a year, 37X, right? So that's huge. And it's the same thing with Ultra, just focus on that one step, don't get too far ahead, just slowly get better. And before you know it, you're there. I love it. I think I might have to, with the bike back there, I'm getting more and more bored. Before I was like, I'll never do, the max you can do is like a 90 minute ride, right? Now I'm like, how do I chain a bunch of 90 minute rides together? So I'm nothing close to ultra. I just get bored now. So yeah, I might actually look into it more. So thanks for that. Two more questions for me. What is your favorite business tool that's not called Zenefits? My favorite business tool, not Zenefits, would be, there's a lot Gong. I'm big time into Gong right now. I listen to it. Yeah, you know, podcast is such a yeah. powerful tool, not just for sales, yeah. but for marketers. It's a lot of cool stuff. We do Gong lock-ins as a team and listen to yeah. calls and figure out how we can improve our messaging positioning. And Got it. Um, so, so you as a marketing favorite. team will be like, hey, let's listen to some sales calls and that will yeah. tweak how we do things based on people's objections, et cetera. 100%. Okay. That's awesome. How about your favorite business book? Right now, The Obstacle is the Way. Great book, especially given kind of the broader macro environment. It's by a guy named Ryan Holiday, and it's all about turning adversity into advantage. And it's fantastic. And the bottom line is you can't control all the things that happen. What you can control is how you perceive them and how you react and act to them. And then how can you actually turn change or adversity into something that becomes an advantage? It's great. That's awesome. You just gave me an idea to buy a bunch for my team. So thank you for that. But Ryan, we've had on the show. So you guys can Google that. Just Google growth everywhere. Ryan Holiday, you'll find that one. Actually, I have one more bonus question. Who do you follow in marketing? Are there any publications, blogs, et cetera, that you like to share? Goodness, there's too many to list. So I try to do a couple sales and marketing books and business books every month. And then I'm the podcast. I'm a fan of yours. And gosh, yeah, there's so many. You're fine. <laughs> what a if it doesn't pop into your head, that's all good. Yeah, Kevin, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? You can find me on LinkedIn. Occasionally, I'm perusing on Twitter, but LinkedIn's the best. All right, Kevin, thanks so much for doing this. Absolutely, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.